Hello and welcome to Vet Club. Here is going to be an episode, another episode of the week. It's the week. The week. Um, I forgot today's date. May first. Oh yeah, yeah. It's May first. Um, so we'll be covering the previous week. And so the end of stuff. April and other stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, we haven't we haven't done a week in a little while. So it's maybe like a month. No, we're really just going to cover a week. Um, so this past week, uh, we've had a lot of respiratory cases. So I thought I would talk about some of the things, some of the conversations that have come up in the clinic um, with a variety of cases. Because I think, you know, rather than to be like, it has to be this specific series. It's just that that's the underlying theme here is just different respiratory cases that we've seen. And so we've had a number of pneumonia cases and respiratory stuff is common in emergency anyway. But I feel like there's been a, <coughs> excuse me, a particularly high rate of respiratory cases this past week. And um, yeah, so a few of my t- tidbits, two cents, my thoughts. Um, so the first case uh, that I'm going to talk about was a dog with pneumonia. And this dog, it was a middle-aged adult, mixed-breed hound-type dog who was presented for acute onset of respiratory distress after like a hacking, retching episode that the owners, you know, they, they thought it was kind of coughing, but it started all of a sudden. And so um, brought the dog in and it, you know, did indeed have, you know, pretty severe respiratory distress. So not um, uncommonly got some chest x-rays on it, which is like the main diagnostic test that, you know, we're going to do for animals with respiratory distress. Look in their chest. Look in the chest. Yeah. That's where the problem is. Respiratory area. Yeah. Because blood work is rarely super helpful in these cases. And you just have to look and be like, here's the problem. Let's look at that area. Um, Whereas like some organs, we, you know, if I want to look at the kidneys, like looking at the kidneys is actually in a lot of cases not particularly helpful, but I know what the kidneys should do. And so doing blood work um, to tell me, oh, these are broken um, is... is The uh, operation guy, was it just his lungs that you pulled out or was there something there? What? Oh, in the game operation. I was like, what are you talking about? I think it was just like Um, lungs that you pulled out. Did it, was it like water on the lungs or something? Was it a bucket? No, that was bucket, water on the knee. It was the bucket. I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was just some lungs. I don't know. You just removed his lungs. Yeah. Yeah, so even in the game operation, they didn't have a good like diagnostic thing because it's like butterfly. Now I'm gonna now I'm I'm gonna like Google that on my phone. Well, or you should Google it while I talk. But um, operation game. Um, So at any rate, the the common. I mean, the test that you're going to do is chest x-rays. And so what we found was this dog had pneumonia, and it looked most consistent with aspiration pneumonia, which is do you you are you comfortable? You know what that is? Aspiration pneumonia. Yeah. No. So aspiration pneumonia is typically what it sounds like if you know what aspiration means. So aspiration, which it's super common word that we use in medicine, but outside of that, maybe not. But aspiration meaning you inhale stuff down into your airways that you're not supposed to. So instead of air, you're aspirating like fluid or food or Mm -hmm. spit or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And you're you're not supposed to do that. Um, Okay. So these are the pieces. Hang on. I can't really see it. Okay, there's the Adam's apple. The what? The funny bone. Oh, there's these are like some modern ones. Hang on, I want the originals. All right, let's look at the original board game. Oh, this is so blurry. There's not like a, a good one. There's a heart. There's a wishbone. 
Was the wish? Where was the wishbone? In the turkey. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Super helpful. Um, okay, I'm getting distracted, so we're just gonna. It's just gonna have to stay a mystery. I think you're right. I don't think there was any any lung stuff. Oh, there were some ribs. You could remove some ribs. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so not lung stuff. I think. Okay. Um, so anyway, we, we took some x-rays and it was consistent with a dog that had aspirated. And the thing that makes something look like aspiration ammonia is you can imagine if you accidentally inhale something that is not air, that is going to follow the laws of gravity. And it tends to, that the stuff tends to settle in the lowest parts of the lungs based on, you know, how a dog or cat normally stands or lays. So it goes on the lower part, what we call the ventral part of the lungs. And that was the distribution this dog had. And so it's like, okay, it's got bad pneumonia. Cool. We understand what's going on. We know what to do. So we start treating it with um, antibiotics for presumed secondary bacterial infection. The assumption is it aspirated and it probably wasn't sterile contents. So we'll treat with some antibiotics. And then it's just time and supportive care, which is really what supportive care is. It's like try to buy them time because really the animal's got to heal up on its own. We just need to support you through that. Oh, stuff will eventually filter out or yeah the body's got a system in place for clearing out the crap and uh, we just need to support you through that so you know one of the main things that you can do simple things you can do with pneumonia is just give them extra oxygen because it's gas exchange um yeah if only and so no your body has a system for getting that crap out it's got um we call it the the mucociliary apparatus so it's a bunch of tiny little hairs in your airways that like like a little elevator sweep all the crud from down in your lower airways and then when it gets up high enough you cough and then you cough up boogers you cough yeah. up phlegm it'd be a lot easier if you could just turn that all off and you just put like a yeah. like a like a burst a of air through and boom, just like pressure wash your body Ugh. get all of that out right yeah that's a better design a design well the design requires a third party or a fourth part a second party i guess ah. um yeah no your body does it all by itself it doesn't or like require a fancy any- pipe cleaner <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of what your mucociliary apparatus is. Yeah, but it's you, a fancy pipe cleaner that's built one. in. Who should make a better one? You should. Just like I go, should. Yeah, that you'd be a millionaire if you made like a lung no. pipe cleaner. No. Someone else would be at a millionaire for you making a. At best, I'd be a dozen there. A lung um, pipe cleaner. Why would you like spend a bunch of money when the animal does it itself? We you just do it right to- away. Oh, you have pneumonia. <laughs> I wish you guys could see the motion. He's. It looks Done. like he's stabbing this imaginary animal that's right now pipe multiple times. Stabbing it. Gotta get it down in there. Uh, yeah, that sounds super comfy. Sign me right up for a uh, a pulmonary wash. Pulmonary yeah. pipe clean. So we're not doing that. That's not what we've done. Um, but we did support the animal through. So the, the thing I wanted to bring up with this was, um, fortunately, this dog responded well to treatment. And, you know, within a couple of days, like slow, steady, they, you know, they don't, I expect with a, a bad pneumonia and this dog's pneumonia was pretty severe, it's going to take several days to see, you know, significant improvement. But the good news was the dog wasn't getting worse at any time with our treatment. And then, you know, after a day, it was like, okay, we've kind of plateaued. We bottomed out. And then it was like a teeny bit of improvement the next day. And then it was like clear improvement. And the dog just steadily improved. But the the thing I wanted to mention, none of this has been all that radical or life-changing so far. But we had a discussion a couple of days um, into this dog's hospitalization about like, okay, we're starting to see some improvement. We need to start thinking about 
when, how, when and how are we going to get this dog home? Um, which is one of the things I harp on kind of a lot is, um, you know, essentially as soon as you hospitalize a patient, you, you should be thinking, how do I get this animal home? Like, that's my job. Like, that is my job is to get this animal home to his family. Um, so everything I do should be in service to that. So every test I run, every treatment I do should somehow, I should be able to trace that back and be like, how did that help me get this animal back home? How did this speed up the process? How did this give me information that was useful for adjusting the plan as needed? Um, at, you know, what treatments am I doing and, and are they absolutely necessary things that have to be done by us in hospital? Or can I start transitioning to things that could potentially be done at home by the owners? And so, you know, in this conversation I was having with my team about, all right, you know, this dog's starting to do better. Let's start talking about our, our plan. It's not going to happen right away, but like we need to plan ahead. We don't want to be, you know, caught the last day. Okay, the dog's ready to go home, but we haven't actually done anything to prepare for that. So we were having a conversation about, you know, switching from in injectable medications to oral medications and, um, you know, what do we think we're going to need to send the dog home with? And one of the questions came up, uh, you know, should we recheck x-rays on this dog? And so that's, that's the conversation I really want to have today is what are the, what's the utility of chest x-rays of radiographs in monitoring, um, a, a patient with pneumonia. And my argument is, very little. <laughs> that's the that's the short version of my. So argument. once you see that it's there, you're kind of that's all you get out of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, cool. We've made the diagnosis, and I have a dog who's improving. Like it's responding to treatment. So that's further evidence uh, that our diagnosis was correct and our treatment plan is correct. Now it may not be. It, it may be that our treatment plan is wrong and the animal's just getting better despite us. Which but is like possible. actually, you can't see that it's getting better too, or is that just like. Well, is it kind of like if you, you just see that there's stuff there, yeah. you can't measure how much there is. Right. Okay. So that's kind of the crux of it is the body is doing stuff with all everything's that. Everything's kind of sloshing. It's kind of a random chance how much you see. Right. From the it is. It is a bit that. And the body is doing stuff to try to organize it, put it into little mucusy gobs that can be coughed up. And so you'll see that the pattern will change over time, but it's really hard to quantify, as you said. And so to say that these look better than those. Now there are some stark ones where you're like, oh my God, this is clearly better. or This is clearly worse. But like in those like few days with pneumonia, like, I don't know what I'm going to make of that. And, and the argument I make is who cares? So like if you take x-rays so the dog is obviously like there was nobody who was a, there was no holdouts. Everybody like fully agrees. This dog is clearly unequivocally improved from where he was three days before. So if I take x-rays and they go, yes, the lungs are better. We're going to be like, yeah, we already friggin' knew that. Like that didn't help mm -hmm. me. Or you say, oh, they, they don't really look that much better. You're going to be like, well, I guess he's not better. No, you're not going to say that. You're going to be like, oh, that's weird. Um, and, and we hear people say, and, and pretty <laughs> this much- This dog's a liar. Exactly. You're not doing better. Look sicker. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> um, and you hear everybody, just about everybody who's listening has probably heard, um, heard it said that the, the radiographic signs of pneumonia can lag behind. There can be like a delay in what you'll see clinically versus what you see on the x-rays. And I don't actually know why that is. And it seems to be a unique thing to pneumonia. I'm not sure if anybody out there listening has heard of, a, of an explanation for like why that would be. Please share it with us because I would love to learn. Because that's not true for other lung diseases. Like if you have cardiogenic pulmonary edema, the x-rays match in time, temporarily match the clinical picture. Like if an animal has cardiogenic from uh, pulmonary edema from heart failure, and it looks like 
it, it looks terrible. The x-rays will probably look terrible. And if it's getting better, the x-rays will look better. Like, and they fit in time that that's fine. But, um, that's not true with pneumonia for some reason. That's what people say. And so I could take some x-rays of this dog who everybody agrees is significantly improved and, but it's three days in, nobody thinks the dog's pneumonia is cured at this point. Like nobody's going to be like, all right, cool. Everything's fine. He's, you know, he doesn't have pneumonia anymore. Like it was, his was pretty bad. Nobody thought it was going to be, you know, completely cleared within three days. And so I'm going to spend 200 extra dollars or thereabouts, um, to retake x-rays. And then the other thing, um, is that like, I got to put this animal through extra stress, this animal with pneumonia. I have to take him out of the ICU. He wasn't on oxygen at that point, so it's less of a big deal, but I have to go put him on a table, stress him out, lay him down on one side, then flip him over to the other side, then put him on his back to get these x-rays that aren't going to change a thing right now. Like there's just no justification for it. And it's one of those tests that I see done commonly. And what I was explaining to my team was there are circumstances where repeating the x-rays would be helpful if the dog wasn't getting better or was getting worse, or this dog has improving, 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 and then all of a sudden he gets worse. I need to know what's changed. Is it worsening aspiration? Did he aspirate again? Does he now have secondary ARDS? Like, you know, I, I need to figure that out. I think our cat is trying to mess with our controls here. Um, he's very happy, but he's going to change the controls. He's going to delete the recording and then be real sad. So, you know, when, what I'm counseling people all the time is anytime you want to run any test for any reason whatsoever, you have to ask yourself, what am I, what am I expecting to find? And what do I think that's going to change? And if you say, you know, the possible findings on this test are, you know, A, B, or C. And if it's A, I'm going to do this one thing. And if it's B, I'm going to do this other thing. And if it's C, I'm going to do this other thing. But if A, B, and C all are going to lead to the exact same outcome, don't do the test. <laughs> like, just don't do it. It doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, the animal's getting better. The animal is telling you and the animal isn't lying. Like, it's not lying when it's like, yeah, I can totally breathe better without extra oxygen. I don't need x-rays to tell me that. Like, just believe that. Um, the x-rays at most, at the, you know, best case scenario will confirm what you already believed. Worst case scenario will confuse you. You'd be like, wait a minute, why isn't this better? And then you'd be like, ah, I guess we have to ignore that. Or, or worse, you change your plan, which was the right one to do something silly. Um, and because you trust, you know, the x-rays rather than your own two eyes. So anyway, we had the whole conversation about that. And then it was funny because then the client, I was talking to the client, and the client also asked, should we recheck the x-rays? And then I explained to the client why. I was like, here's why I don't want to do this. Here's, you know, I don't want to spend your money. I don't want to like, you know, stress your dog out and put it at increased risk, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, yeah, that all makes sense. Great. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I feel like I hear doesn't... a lot of stories too where someone runs a test and they find something not related at all. And, Ugh, then, yeah. and then they want to treat this other thing that's not even yeah, the problem. Yeah, you end up down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, that's, I think that's really common in human medicine too. Um, there are, there is a time and a place for screening tests, right? Like we have, you know, common diseases in geriatric animals. And at a certain age, we want to run screening tests because we're looking for these common chronic illnesses. And if we can identify those early, um, we can do something about it. A classic example in human medicine would be hypertension, high blood pressure is we screen people for high blood pressure because one, it's really flipping common. And two, there's not obvious signs of it, like in your day-to-day -day life. And there are gobs and gobs and gobs of studies that say, if you have high blood pressure and it goes untreated for a long time, it can lead to all sorts of outcomes. And if we catch it early and we can do something about it, we can, 
we can reduce the odds of those, you know, horrible outcomes. Um, and so like in animals, we might say doing blood work and, you know, when a dog or a cat hits seven or eight years of age, we're going to do some screening blood work to look for early signs of chronic kidney disease or, you know, liver disease or something like that. There is a place for screening, but usually when you have an individual patient, um, running a battery of tests, when you, when you, you know, have a suspicion of one or two diseases, like run the test that will rule those diseases in or out. Um, because otherwise you start now there's, again, there's a time and a place when you say this animal has vague signs and we don't know what's going on. And we want to run a battery of tests to see, because we just don't know that's fine. Um, and then there, again, there are times when monitoring can be beneficial. Um, but I think you, you still have to check all those boxes and say, what specifically am I hoping to gain from this? Now, there is going to come a point in this dog that we've been talking about with pneumonia where rechecking the x-rays is, is beneficial, but it's a couple weeks from now. That's when you're like, okay, clinically, the dog seems to be doing fine. Like there's no other clinical evidence of pneumonia, but I'm trying to decide how long to treat um, with antibiotics, for example. And so at that point, you say the dog's breathing normally, it's acting normally, everything's great. I want to take some x-rays. And if I see evidence of residual pneumonia, does that influence how long I treat with antibiotics? And now we don't have great studies, but at least that makes physiologic sense to me. You're like, I can still see that there's crap in the lungs. I'm probably going to treat for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, so there is a time and a place for using x-rays, but later, because three days after pneumonia, it's not gone. Like nobody thinks it's gone. Yeah. There's like just just not how it happens. That's not the timeline of pneumonia. But it's in two like weeks, maybe checking your oil right after you just refilled it. Yeah, you're like, I don't need to. Yeah. This is silly. Um, so we have when we discharge that dog, it was like, okay, you're going to come back in two weeks, and at that time, we're going to recheck some things, and um, and we'll probably recheck the X-rays at that point because that will help us. That that could change our treatment plan because we're going to say, okay, we're going to treat with antibiotics until this point, and then we come back and we go, wow, the X-rays are clear maybe we're done or maybe we treat for a few more days and then we're done or we say no there's still some signs so so that actually can have an impact on our treatment plan but in that short term three days later wasn't going to change anything so that's one of the points I want to make um because I I feel like you know it's one of those things people just want to see it and don't get me wrong it would have been cool to see this dog's x-rays again like I would have liked from a medical just a curiosity standpoint would have loved to see those but I don't think that's enough justification to spend somebody's money and to frankly put the dog at risk Small mm-hmm. risk, but risk. Like, that, you know, these things aren't completely benign. You're also putting your staff at risk and exposing them to unnecessary radiation. Like, there's all sorts of arguments yeah. I can say. Also like, wasting time that could be yeah. done doing other things. It's absolutely. So, um, so, you know, anything you do, like, have a good reason for it. I mean, that's really the main thing for that. So that was that, was that case, um, which was a good one and, and had a nice happy ending. Um, later in the week, we had another respiratory case, different one. Um, this one came in, another acute onset of respiratory distress, which is how these often come in on emergency. Um, this one got some x-rays, and they were not so clear-cut. Um, it, there was a distribution on the x-rays that looked like maybe non-cardiogenic pulmonary edema, um, which is maybe something we've talked about before. I don't really remember. Um, but basically where the, the changes we were seeing and where they were, were, um, seeing them was consistent with what's called non-cardiogenic pulmonary edema. So basically 
crud filling up the uh, air sacs and the lungs, the alveoli, uh, that's not caused by heart failure. Um, but there was also like, oh, there's this one little area that maybe that's aspiration pneumonia. Um, and it was weird. So the dog was, you know, doing okay, but like the x-rays just really weren't clear what was going on. And then some blood work had been done and the dog had a complete blood count and very interesting finding on this dog's blood work. It had a very high hematocrit, so a higher than normal percentage of red blood cells in its circulation. So normally it should be around like 45 to maybe, maybe 55% of your blood should be red blood cells. And this dog's was up to 60%, which, you know, okay, that's a little bit high, but here was the really interesting part, a very, very high um, number of reticulocytes and reticulocytes are immature red blood cells that get kicked out um, when the bone marrow is trying to crank out lots more red blood cells. So normally we see high reticulocytes in dogs and cats that are anemic. They've lost a lot of blood or they're destroying their red blood cells and they're trying to make up for that loss. So they're making more red blood cells than average. But this dog had more red blood cells than average and it was still trying to make more. So give you a minute to think about it. Those out there in the audience listening, what might be causing that? Um, and the, you know, big hint is this dog was in respiratory distress. So you have to kind of go back and think, how does the body know what, like, what are the signals that tell the body, Hey, maybe it's time to make some more red blood cells. And I'm guessing you don't know what that signal is. Cause I don't think we've talked about it before. Um, no. <laughs> Yeah, I, like, there's no way you would just guess this out of the blue. But um, I guess a uh, lack of oxygen. Yeah, that's actually correct. So it's hypoxia. And do you know who is in charge of sensing this low oxygen? It's not who you would think. Is it? It's not who I would think? No. The liver. Close. Damn. But it, like, yeah, it's the kidneys. The kidneys. So it's the kidneys job um, to sense when the, there is low oxygen and then the kidneys release a substance called erythropoietin or EPO. You may have heard say that before, but erythropoietin. Mm -hmm. Okay, erythropoietin is a known that word. Yeah, I'm it surprised you like didn't a stupid just. Word. I'm surprised you didn't just spontaneously poetin. come up with that. Erythropoietin. Erythro is the um, um, root word. I for think blood. it just means red, but for red blood cell. Yeah. So an erythrocyte is also a red blood cell. So erythropoietin, and then the poietin is a suffix that I guess means make more because we there is erythropoietin, there's um, uh, thrombopoietin, and that's just a, it's a molecule that tells your bone marrow, make Doesn't more of these. It sound like that you'd want more of that, no. poietin. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't invent these words. But anyhow, so um, the kidneys recognize low oxygen. Um, so they don't count the red blood cells. They just go, there's not enough oxygen and you have a, a finite number of things to fix. And so the kidneys are like, make more red blood cells because that's who is supposed to carry the oxygen to us. And so the, the kidneys are sending the signal to the bone marrow. And so the bone marrow is responding. I'm getting the signal request for more red blood cells and more red blood cells you will get. But this animal didn't have low red blood cells. Um, it has a high normal. So the increase in reticulocytes is suggestive of a chronic hypoxia. So even though this dog's clinical signs presented acutely, we had evidence that, uh-uh, this has been going on for a bit. So that was like mystery number one. So non-cardiogenic pulmonary edema is an acute disease. Like that's something that happens lickety split. It's sometimes actually in some circumstances called flash edema because it can come up so quickly. It happens after choking or electrocution, drowning, seizure activity, things that happen suddenly. So we're like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Aspiration pneumonia, as we talked about in the last case, happens suddenly. You inhale stuff down in your airways that you were not supposed to. You're supposed to swallow it instead. 
And so it happens suddenly. So we have now a couple differentials on our x-rays that don't really fit with this blood test we have that suggests this dog has had low oxygen tension for a while. Um, and so, you know, when, when I was um, talking with the team about this case, you know, there'd been some discussions before and I was like, wait, 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 we got some mysteries going on here. So this, these theories over here don't mesh with this theory over here. So I have some new questions. And, um, so when we were talking about this case, we also talked about, um, you know, what about repeating x-rays? And it was, it was kind of fun because some of the, some of the students that were there for the original conversation with the dog, we just talked about the aspiration pneumonia. Um, it was like, what do you guys think about repeating x-rays today? And a couple of them were like, well, we're not really sure that's going to be beneficial. And I was like, okay, tell me why. You know, we talked through it. And I was like, so in this case, I actually think it could be beneficial because the two differentials we'd had originally were non-cardiogenic pulmonary edema and aspiration pneumonia. And non-cardiogenic pulmonary edema is something that often resolves really quickly. Um, and so if the dog had had that and you recheck the x-rays, you would expect that part to have resolved. And maybe if it had aspiration, that might have gotten worse. And so in this case, because we didn't really know what the heck was going on with this dog, repeating x-rays might have been helpful. However, this chronic hypoxia threw all a wrench in all of that. And so, um, this was, this was just kind of a really cool, um, learning situation where we go through the case and we go step by step and we say, okay, what makes sense? Is and this what why doesn't? it takes so long when they come to your hospital? Yes. Cause you well, have to sit there and talk about things for like five hours. It wasn't five hours. It was like, 45 minutes tops for this patient. But yes, this is why, um, this is why I get made fun of for all the time over the years for, um, talking too much, but it's because this is the process. This is, this is how we, so, okay. When I came in, it was yesterday morning, um, when I went in and when I came in and I'm hearing about this case, I didn't immediately put everything together. That is not what happens. Um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not you that were smart. you telling you about this case that you need to, we need to do a video of you with like a conspiracy theory web. Oh yeah. There's like five pictures. Oh, and we it's have like, this and this connects to that oh, and this. Because of the JFK assassination, yeah. blah, blah, this dog has. But that's like, that's kind of how run. it goes. And so, but as I'm talking with the team and we're going through this, I'm like, wait, 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 I have a question. Tell me more about this. You guys, wait, you mentioned this over here. Wait, and so you're trying to keep all these facts in your head at the same time, which is hard, but it takes practice. And you're like, wait, didn't you guys mention that this had happened before? And it's like, oh yeah, we had. It was like, well, that doesn't fit with this, this theory we had. So, okay, we have to eliminate that theory and we have to come up with a new theory. Um, so in the conversation and, and we're going through, we have this chronic hypoxia and then we have this dog that has, you know, maybe this distribution of non-cardiogenic pole. I was like, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. The other thing I had noticed on the x-rays when we were reviewing them is something that I had initially kind of, I filed it away, but didn't really focus too much on. Cause I was like, there's enough other things going on in this case, but it had what I would have called subjectively right-sided heart enlargement. Now I don't think the radiologist had called it, but I thought I was like that right side of the heart looks bigger than it should. So that with some other things, I started talking to the team. I was like, okay, what are some other things that could explain X, Y, and Z and um, asked them some other questions. And one of the things they, um, they finally came around to and, and that I was where I was going, um, was that this dog could have pulmonary hypertension and pulmonary hypertension is a sucky thing. Um, so pulmonary hypertension means high blood pressure, hypertension, but just in the pulmonary circulation, just in the pulmonary vasculature. And there's a, a number of, not a, not a ton, but a, a few underlying diseases that can predispose or that can lead to that. Um, and then it can sometimes happen and we don't know why. It can just be sort of idiopathic. But, um, 
but it's real bad and it can lead to respiratory distress and it can lead to collapse and it can lead to changes in the heart. And so as we were having this conversation about this case, like the plan changed two or three times. It was like, okay, well maybe we need to do this. Oh wait, but we have this other information. Okay, hang on. Maybe this is better. Okay. What we need to do is we need to actually do an echocardiogram on this dog because I'm worried this dog has pulmonary hypertension and that's going to be our best way to sort that out. And we need to, we need to know if it, that's what it has. Then that leads us down this other um, path of trying to figure out what the underlying disease process is. Is it chronic bronchitis? Does it have pulmonary thromboembolisms? Um, those types of things. But it was just a really, um, a really kind of fun process. The case itself is kind of sucky because again, it's a dog in respiratory distress and we don't really know why, but that process of creating a list of your problems, like what are the problems that, you know, this animal has and then thinking through what are the possible things that can cause this? And then again, like your little conspiracy theory where we put all the pegs up on the thing and you know, pull them together with red string so that we make all the connections. And then at the end of it, we go, aha, we know who the killer is. Um, and like, I've actually, it's funny how you, when you said that, um, cause I've always felt like medicine is a little bit like solving a mystery. Uh, or not even a little bit. It's like exactly like that. Yeah. That's, that's exactly that's the movie what it is. That I reference a lot on this show at Osmosis Jones. That I still haven't seen. Yeah. Yeah. We Chris should watch Rock that. is a detective. Yeah. He's a white blood cell. Yeah. I, I would say, okay, detective, I'll give you that. I would say white blood cell is really more of just like a soldier, just like follow orders, do what you're told. Um, I mean, there's other but, white blood cells that are just like the cops, but he's trying to figure it out. Okay, so yeah, he's a special white blood cell. That yeah. works. Um, yeah, we should we should watch that movie because you have referenced it a number of times. But I often think about like, like when I get a case, um, I, it's like I'm reading a mystery novel, but what I have sometimes, like I'm reading like a chapter in the middle and I have to go back and figure out like what happened before, like what, what logically could lead me to this? Like, let me go back and piece together what may have happened to explain the signs in this animal that I'm reading right now. So I pick up a book and somebody has torn out the first six chapters, but I just, I, for some reason I start reading it and it's just oh, it's gripping. like a Christopher Nolan film where it's yeah, like, yeah. you kind of know what's happened and then, and then they go, go back, back and, and, like, then, oh, and then it goes a little bit further. But you wouldn't like those films if they didn't actually make sense. Like if you went back and you're like, well, that's stupid. He can't have been dreaming the whole time. Like you, you can't, it has to make sense and it has to be satisfying. And that's what trying to figure out what led you. Okay. Why does this animal have these blood work changes or why does this animal have these imaging changes? Okay. Well, let me tell a story that makes plausible sense sense. Um, and you know, when we get cases, we get them in various stages of the book. You know, sometimes it's the very end. Um, sometimes it's close to the beginning. You know, sometimes they come in and are like, my dog just ate this. And you're like, okay, that was chapter one. I can tell you what's going to happen in chapter two, three, and four. And other times, um, the following chapters are very mysterious. Like, I don't know what's going to happen in this case. Um, and then sometimes the book is written in a language you don't read. <laughs> like this, this came from a foreign country and I don't even recognize the symbols. Like sometimes, like that's just kind of how it goes. But, um, but I think if we can take this process step by step, logically, not all that different from how like, uh, you know, a murder detective is going to solve the case. And sometimes you have, sometimes you have to jump to some conclusions. You have to skip over some things be like, I don't know, that guy just looks sketchy. I'm pretty sure he's the one. And sometimes you're wrong and sometimes you get it wrong and you know, you arrest the wrong person and and then you get in trouble for that because you treat the wrong thing. You know, you can go down the wrong the wrong path. You do the best you can on the limited information you have. And but when you have time, you try to gather as much evidence as, as you can possibly to make your case. And um, 
Yeah. So really, I'm just like a medical detective. It's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you have to follow the rules. You have to be logical um, and ask questions. I think that's the main thing that um, I would say good detectives and good doctors have in common is they ask a lot of questions. And then sometimes they'll ask the same question in a slightly different way. And I'm going to ask different people the same question. I'm going to ask this question over here. I'm going to ask the same question over here Um, because I need to gather all sorts of you know, tiny bits of data and see what overlaps and what fits and who's telling the same story and whose story doesn't quite fit. And, um, yeah. So that, that analogy is kind of like went off a little bit, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was just really fun. Um, I really enjoy those scenarios where we get to talk through and be like, let's, let's reason this out. Um, and that's the problem-based approach. And I would really encourage people to ask all those questions and sometimes you won't get the answers, but sometimes you will. And it's kind of satisfying when you do. So that was, those were like some of the main things from this week was just these respiratory cases with, um, you know, fun features and fun considerations, different things to think about. So that was good. What what did you do this week, Tof? I have talked enough. Oh, it's the why, why we didn't do podcast stuff this week as much. Why not? Is because last weekend we went whoop, whoop. on a two-day hike. We did. Because we're we trying to um, prepare for our Grand Canyon hike, which yeah. is like four days. Yeah, that's going to be in September. So, yeah, so we packed up our stuff. We stuffed our backpacks full of things, including like our all our food, all our tents, all our, you know, hygiene equipment, change, not really a change of clothes. We both wear the same clothes both days, but. Yeah, because um, that's what they say. They say just smell. Just be stinky. Um, a water. Um, you had your, I, I, okay, so probably my favorite part of that was um, using your fun new water filter where you like fill a water bottle and then the cap has like a filter in it. You just squeeze it and you can drink yeah. from the stream and neither of us have gotten sick yet. So yeah, we're feeling sick. pretty confident. We don't have Giardia. Seemed to work. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was hard. We went up and down a mountain two days in a row. Yeah, that was silly. That was kind of the point. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're trading for. But we just camped out in the woods in our fun tent, which is cool because it has like a mesh top and the weather was really nice. So yeah, we got to sleep rain. under it's the stars. Warm. Yeah. It was, the only it was problem really is we nice. forgot the sunscreen. So I had I'd to put wear my a little bit on the first day, but the yeah, the second day. day you didn't have long sleep. Yeah. So. I thought you had brought it. And then no. when I asked you, you were like, no. No, I just put some on for myself. I didn't think you needed it. You never wear sunscreen. Well, the, the guy told me that I was burning. Yeah, some random dude we passed was like, you're getting sunburned. And he was right. Yeah, he was. I just had to wear a hoodie and like the first yeah. time it's 80 <laughs> degrees in Virginia. Uh, yeah, but it was good. I think it went well. Yeah. We both, yeah, we made it. We survived. Made it back. What did we do? It was like eight miles each day or yeah. something like that. With We went, I think, up 2,000 feet and down 2,000 feet each day. So that was the elevation change. Yeah. Yeah, but so it was a lot. Yeah, I think both days we went up at the beginning and then down at the end and i the down is hard oh yeah i think the down is really hard we're getting old so what happened we we live like a hundred feet higher than where we ended up but the down was harder the first day because we were going down like this like loose gravel area for a real long stretch it didn't feel really long like oh this would be a really easy walk if i wasn't afraid of falling and dying yeah we really yeah we had our trekking poles though that helped those do help a ton going up that was it was aerobically aerobically hard hard, but it was easy to walk yeah i didn't feel like i was gonna fall the whole time yeah but it was really fun it was like we went far enough that like the terrain changed like three or four times it was kind of cool yeah we're like you know along the side of a mountain hills i saw i saw one deer and then we heard a bunch of deer at night yeah um and then past several streams um 
and oh, we had a really good place fields to and stop for camping, but yeah, uh, it was too close to the there. road, so some people were having a party there. Yeah, which is really not cool because I was like, that should really be for backpackers. Yeah, but you know, lame. Um, but yeah, that was good. So that was what we were doing last weekend. Yeah, sorry we didn't recap y'all on that. Um, but feel free to send us in your backpacking tips. Mm-hmm. We'll may or may not listen to them, but. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll certainly report in September how that goes. But yeah, I feel like we're, uh, it was hard, but, but I think we're, we can do it. I could have done that for another two days if I needed to. Yeah. Especially if like the scenery is the Grand Canyon, which. Yeah. And then I someone else is cooking for us. Yeah, that's true. We that's just have to like snack in the weekend. Yeah. Somebody else is going to do the, although I don't know, they're probably going to like make us do the dishes or something. No. Um, you don't think so? We're paying them enough. They can do the dishes. <laughs> okay. Let's see how that goes. Um, yeah. So that was, uh, that's the last couple of weeks. But yeah, that's the scoop. Um, so we'll probably, I'm going to be, we're going to be out of town for like the next three weekends. So um, we'll try to, we'll try to catch up with some weekly updates in the near future and uh, maybe have some book chapters coming up and journal clubs and all that good stuff. But um, anyway, hope you enjoyed today's chat. It was maybe a little too much, Bobby. Maybe not enough Topher. Yeah, it's kind of hard to breathe. Ouch. Oh, the dad jokes. (laughs) I don't think you're allowed to tell those jokes. You're not a dad. All right, we'll catch you next time. Bye.